0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt Shuttlesworth, and I, along with my wife Rachel, are the lead pastors here at Legacy Church, and we are so thankful that you would spend just a few hours with us this morning. We're going to be diving into a book called The Bible, and for the next four hours. No, I'm just kidding. I tell you what, there's some parts of the world where they can go, they, where they invite you to come and speak, and they don't want you to be any shorter than six hours. So be thankful today that I'm only going to go two. Well, again, if this is your first time, we want to welcome you and... uh We are so thankful that you're here. We didn't really announce it this way, but we've kind of been doing a little mini-series based around the word that God has given us for this year of 2024, which, if you were here two weeks ago, we uh, announced that word. That word is overflow. Everybody say overflow. And so, Pastor Rach just continued last week, and I'm going to continue this week, and then this will probably be the end of it, uh, but we just felt like over the, ne- the last few weeks that it was important that we uh, give a little more perspective, dive a little deeper into some of these things, and so I'm going to be continuing today and probably ending today in our little mini vision series, and today I'm entitling this, if you take notes, I'm entitling this Living in the Overflow. Say, Living in the Overflow. Did you know this? And I don't don't know that I'll get the numbers exactly right, but they say, if you do not take notes, you will only remember about 5% of what you take in. 5%. If all you do is sit there today and you listen, you'll only remember about 5% of what I say, and it'll probably be the 5% of what I just said. But they say, if you do take notes, you'll retain nearly 50% of what you take in. But they also say if you go back through those notes or maybe you uh, listen to that message again or you go through that thing again that you'll retain almost 90%. How many know it's important that we don't just come and listen, but that we take notes? It's important that we don't just take notes, but that we go back through those notes, that we pray through, God, what do I need to get from this this week? Because there's a 90% retention rate some of you can't even remember what Pastor Rach spoke last week. But I would encourage you to be a note taker. There's a joke that constantly goes on that note takers make it into heaven first. But today we're going to be reading. For, nobody has a sense of humor this morning. <laughs> we're going to be reading from Luke 15 uh, verses 11 to 24. And this is the parable of the lost son. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your holy word. As we dive in in these moments, God, that we pray that it would just penetrate our hearts. We pray, Lord, that it would just seep inside of us, God, that we would hear this, but not only hear this, that we would apply this into our lives. So God, we are so thankful for what you are about to do. We thank you that there's sun on the outside today. We thank you that it's getting warmer. We thank you that the groundhog saw its shadow and that spring is coming early. So God, we love you and praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Living in the overflow. Living in the overflow. We're going to be talking about this for the next few moments. How many desire to live in the overflow in 2024? Come on, I know 2023 wasn't all that great, but I desire to live in the overflow in 2024. For We should desire to live in the overflow. We should desire to live in the overflow of his anointing. We should a desire to live in the overflow of his joy. We should desire to live in the overflow of his blessing. John 10.10, 10, and this is uh, something that has been on my heart throughout this whole period as we were talking about this word overflow. It says John in John 10.10, 10, and I'm going to read from the Amplified because I believe uh, it just adds a little bit more it says the thief comes only and it says the thief comes only in order to steal to kill and to destroy but I came that they may have and enjoy life and not only have and enjoy life but have it in abundance and this is where I love the amplified to the full till it overflows to the full till it overflows. I've grown up in church my entire life. I've spent every Sunday of my life in a church building. And can I tell you one thing, one thing that I've learned throughout my almost 40 years of being in church is that church people do not know how to live. They do not know how to live this John 10, 10 life. To have and to enjoy life. Some of the most miserable people I know are church people. They don't enjoy life. But it says that, they, that he, he came, that they may have and enjoy life. Not only have and enjoy life, but have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. See, we think the scripture says that Jesus came, that we may have church more abundantly. It doesn't say that we may have church more abundantly says that we may have life more abundantly, that we may enjoy life, have life, and have it abundantly, have it to be full. You know the greatest witness to the unsaved is your life? The greatest witness to those who have yet to know Jesus is your life and how you live it. If you're always walking around being miserable, if you're always walking, you claim to be a Christian. You go to church every Sunday, but you're the most miserable person in the room. How many know that's a testament? Whether it's good or bad. People will see your life and say, oh, you're a Christian, but you're the most miserable person in this room. Well, that's something I want to follow. Nobody wants to follow that. You, your life, is the greatest witness to the unsaved. Not your church. Not the organization. Not the programs. Your life, how you live your life, is the greatest witness to Jesus. See, many people have a misinterpretation of Jesus because of the life that some Christians live. Bitter, upset, constantly needing. I could go on and on, but if we only get our lives right, then those around us will see the Jesus within us and want to follow. Some of us have not yet begun to experience the abundant life, the life of overflow, and 2024 is a year for us to step in to the overflow, but if you have not seen that abundant life, if you have not been living in that abundant life, it likely means that there's a principle that has yet to be applied. There's a principle that yet, there is yet to be uh, applied. What if I told you, what if I told you that there is a solution to every problem in your life? What if I told you that there's a one-time, fix-all solution to every problem in your life? What if I told you that every problem you you face, there's an answer for it? There's an answer to get you out of it, and there's an answer to get you beyond that. What if I told you that what you're going through doesn't have to be so hard? What if I told you that there is a helper who is available? There is a concierge of sort. Don't get offended because I use that terminology. There is a concierge of sort to your life. Sounds pretty good, right? What if I told you that in order to make life better, in order to make life more enjoyable, all you had to do was read one book and apply its principles? Sounds real. It sounds too good to be true. Do I purchase this book at Indigo? How do I get this book? I don't care if it costs $100. I don't care if it costs $1,000. If it's going to fix my problems, where can I find it? What if I told you that this book was free and it was readily available to you today? What if I told you that you don't even have to purchase a physical copy? There's free apps on your phone. You can look on Google. What if I told you that it was readily available to you today? What if I told you that you don't even have to read it at all? They've actually hired people to read it to you. It's one book. And it has the solution to everything that you're going through. This one book is made up of 66 books. It is God-breathed. It is penned by over 40 authors. It was written by not anybody famous or special. It was written by fishermen. It was written by physicians. It was written by shepherds. It was written over a 1,500-year period. It's called the Bible. But so often, and as I said a few weeks ago, so often the only time we get into it is about 12 minutes a month. See, if I told you of a solution, if I told you of a subscription, if I told you of something that would solve every problem, you would pay the tens of thousands of dollars to find out what that is so that you can get out of your situation. But we can't spend more than 12 minutes a month in our word. And we wonder why we're going through it. If you get into your Bible... The way you used to think will shift. The way that you used to believe will shift. The way that you used to do something will change. The way that you used to believe. And if you apply the scriptures and if you apply the word, I can guarantee you that your life will live in overflow. But our mindset has to change. Our mindset must be different. We have to decide what our minds are set in. Some of us have made up our minds that for the rest of our lives, we're just going to make it. Some of us have made up our minds that we're just going to get by. Some of us have settled into the place that if I could just get to the end of the month. Some of us have been comfortable with the idea of I just need to survive. If that's your mindset, that's the only thing that you'll see in your life. We have to shift our mindset. We have to change our mindset. Like I just said, the Bible says that he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. Life fulfilling and overflowing. Romans twelve two. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to the thinking of this world. Do not conform to the ways that you were raised. Do not conform to the ways that some parents taught you. Do not conform that maybe your family believes. Do not conform to the way that you think you were born. But change. It says, but be transformed. By what? The renewing of your mind. How do you transform the renewing of your mind? You get in the word of God and get the more that you get in the word of God, the more that you begin to have the mind of God. And the more that your old patterns and the more that your old ways and the more that that, that you grew up that maybe was right, but it changes. And it becomes in line with the word of God. It comes in line with his thinking. Your life flows. Let me say this. Until you change your thinking, you will always recycle your experiences. Your life flows in the direction of your strongest thought. Mindsets are like concrete. The longer that you have them, the more you get stuck in them. We must change our mindset. We must change the way we think. We must change our understanding. If our minds don't change, it doesn't matter what we receive. We'll still get stuck. If we're unwilling to change our mind, if we're unwilling to change these thoughts, if we're unwilling to change these mentalities, we'll find ourselves back in the pigpen. Regardless of what we receive, regardless of what goes on in our life, we'll find ourselves in a pigpen. Just like this son, back in the same mess we found ourselves in before. We must get into the word of God and start to get the mind of Christ Philippians 2, 6 and 7, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. Can I tell you, when you invite Jesus in your life and apply the scriptures, you become an heir to the kingdom of God. You're a king's kid. And when you're a king's kid, there's benefits to being a king's kid. You don't have to live the way that you used to live. You don't have to think the way that you used to think. You don't have to do what you used to do. But you become an heir to the kingdom of God. Can I tell you that there is no lack in the kingdom of God? This is where it might get challenging for some of us today. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. There is no want in the kingdom of God. When you become a part of the kingdom of God, God does not want to see you living in lack. He doesn't want to see you constantly wanting. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, give me my portion. Philippians 4.19, all. it says, and my God will meet what? Some it says, and my God will meet all. Everybody say all. all. What comes after all? Nothing. All is all. There's nothing else after all. There's nothing left. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to your riches in your bank account. It says... According to the riches of what? The riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The word of God says, and here's what I'm going to, I, I thought this was so interesting. I went through literally every translation of Philippians 419 to see what it says. And this is what it says. It says that he will supply all, that he will supply every, that he will fill up, that he will fulfill that he will liberally supply or fill until full, that he will take care of, that he will richly fill, that he will fully supply. And it says with all his abundant wealth through Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Come on, it gives you a greater picture of what this means and what this means in our lives that he will fill up, that he will fulfill, that there will be an overflow in our lives. But we must apply the word of God and we must change our mindsets. It says all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, thank God it doesn't say according to your riches. Thank God it doesn't say according to my riches because there ain't much there. It says according to his riches. In Christ Jesus, I'm so glad it's not according to man's riches. Because man's riches does not even compare to God's riches, to his glory. It's in accordance to his riches. Come on, if it's in his riches, that means once he delegates it towards you, there is nothing that anyone can do to stop it. Nothing. I know this is challenging for our Canadian Christian mindsets. I understand that. I know this is hard to hold on to, because when we look at our country, when we look at our world, when we look at our bank accounts, when we look at our situation, we say, I don't understand. But it takes a fundamental mind shift. It takes a fundamental shift in our mindset, in our mentality, even in the way that we were raised. To understand. If you don't change your mind, it doesn't matter how much money you get. It doesn't matter what you get. If you don't change your mindset, if you don't change the way that you look at it, if you don't change the way that you handle it, it doesn't matter what you get. You'll lose it just like you did before. We must change our mindset you don't change your mind it doesn't matter the doors of favor that are opening for you it doesn't matter the doors of favor that come open for you in business it doesn't matter the doors of favor that open for you in your situation when you walk through it you won't appreciate it because we must change our mindset if we don't change our minds it doesn't matter what we receive we won't retain it we see here in luke The son has received something, but his mindset can't keep it. The son has received an inheritance. He has received wealth. He has received something in this moment, but because his mindset didn't change, because his mindset wasn't mature enough, because his mindset wasn't in the right place, he wasn't able to hold on to it. He says something, and this is where most of us live our, lives our, live our lives with our relationship with God. This is what he said in verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me. Father, give me my share of the estate. Give me my portion. Give me, give me, give me. This is where a lot of us have lived our Christian lives over the last number of years. God, give me because my bill's coming up in about two days. God, you need to meet my need. I need you to give it to me right now. God, I don't know. They're going to repo my car. What are you going to do? Give it to me now. He said, give me my portion. Give me my money. Give me my inheritance. Give me my property. Give me, give me, give me. If we're to be honest, the majority of us spend a lot of time in prayer telling God to give us. But when we operate from that mindset, we're telling God that we're in control and we don't actually trust him in what he's given us to manage. And what he's given us to steward. See, we see the prodigal son got what he asked for from his father. See, God can give you what you ask for, but if you do not change your mindset, it doesn't matter. What he will give you will just be a patch until the next drama, until the next solution, until the next problem arises. We must change our mindset. What the son got was enough to set up his future. What the son got was enough for the rest of his life but because his mindset wasn't right, he ended up in the pig pen instead of the palace. See, look at what happens. The father gives to his son because he was demanding it, because he was saying, give me. God, if you would just give me. God, give me this. God, I need this. God, now. This is a stingy mindset. This is a mindset that needs to shift. This is a mindset that needs to change. Look at what happens. Here's what happens in verse 19. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Everything went on here between give me. Everything went on. He lost everything. He went from the palace to the pig pen. And he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, make me. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, for most of us, we've lived our life as a give me. But in this next season, in this season of overflow, if you want to see overflow in your life, in all areas of your life, we need to go from give me to God make me. God make me who you want me to be. God give me the desires that you need to move in my circumstance. He goes from give me to make me. Create in me a new heart, he says, so that I could be a servant. Some of us, we just need to be servants. God, make me. Make me more like you. Make me a servant in your house. Make me a servant in your kingdom. Make me who you want me to be so that I may be more like you. See, when we transition from give me to make me, then we start to understand and we start to grab hold of the overflow mindset. When we get to an overflow mindset, we understand that it all belongs to God anyway. It doesn't belong to us. You say, well, the the paycheck comes in my name. Yeah, but the gifting came from him. Well, the, the The paycheck and the, but I'm the one who pays the bills. Yeah, but he's the source, not me. We want God to make us into men and women that he's designed us to become. God, make me. That is my prayer for this next season. God, would you make me? Make me into who you want me to be. Make me into who you need me to be in this year of 2024. God, make me. Our our mindset, our, our, our verbiage has to change from God, I need you. God, give me to God. Will you make me? Make me into who you need me to be. Make me. When I become everything that God desires for me to be, I don't have a problem going after the things that God wants me to go after. Shout me down. Thank you. You're the only one. We don't have problems when when we have a make-me mindset to going after the things of God. See, when his mentality was give me, he was chasing after things that didn't matter, and he found himself penniless in a pig pen. When he was chasing after things uh, of temporary reprieve, when he was chasing after things Maybe that he desired, would think would bring him joy. He thought would bring him happiness. He thought would bring him pleasure. But he went from pleasure to penniless. He went from pleasure to the pig pen. When his mentality shifted to make me, guess what happens? The father ran to him. When he said, make me, the father ran to him and met him. And not only did he meet him in that moment, but he said, bring my best robe. Bring these things. Kill the fatted calf. Come on, we're going to celebrate because my son has come home. When your mentality is make make me, the father will meet you right where you are. The father will meet you. And can I tell you that everything that you need is in the house? He will begin to bless you beyond your wildest expectations. When you start getting generous with the things of God, God will not only match your habit, but he will make sure and he will outdo himself to make sure that you continually have something to give. But you have to go from give me to make me. A give me mindset is a mindset where I never have enough and I never will. Let me say that again. A give me mentality is a mindset that I'll never have enough and I never will. In the Bible, the give me mindset can be defined by three words, lacking, wanting, and needing. See, when we have this mindset, the focus becomes on our limited resources. The focus becomes on the lack. The focus becomes on what we don't have. And the result of this mindset is an overwhelmed life. Has anybody had an overwhelmed life in this last season? I have my hand up as well. I've had an overwhelmed life. And to be honest with you, this week I had two moments. And I'm just being completely transparent. And I don't know if I'm too loud or not, but whatever. God knew what he was going to place in my heart this week. But can I tell you something? I had two two days where I felt overwhelmed. And I'm just being honest with you. As a pastor, supposed to be strong in faith, I had two moments where I felt overwhelmed. And I said, Rach, I I can't actually have this conversation right now. Everything is overwhelming. I said, things that I don't even normally think about are overwhelming right now. And I said, I need you to do this. And it was two days this week. There are moments in life that are overwhelming. There are things in life that are overwhelming. But here's the thing is we need to shift our mindset from God give me to God make me. The outcome of the give me mentality is an overwhelmed life. So even my mindset had to shift this week. God, I don't know what you're doing, but make me who I need to be. God, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but make me. Even in these circumstances, even in these challenges, make me. Even in these difficult situations, make me. Make me who you need me to be. The give me mindset says I will never have enough and I never will, but the make me mindset says God has and is more than I will ever need. I know this is challenging. I know this isn't taught all that often in the church. I know this message is often criticized in the church. The words commonly used in the Bible for the make me mindset is abundance. Everybody say abundance. Abounding, say Abounding. And plentiful, say plentiful. When you have a make me mentality, when you have a make me mindset, the focus becomes not on me. The focus is not on your situation. The focus is not on what you're going through, but the focus is that God has more than I will ever need. The focus is that God has limited, unlimited resources. And if I just put my faith, if I just put my trust in him, that I'll be okay. You carry, can I tell you, you carry yourself different when you know daddy's got you covered. You carry yourself different when you know you have a father who has unlimited resources. You look at your situations different when you know. I trust in God and he has everything I need, that he'll provide everything I need, that he'll be there when I need him. Come on, you just walk different. You talk different. You act different when you know that your father has got you covered. I think that's been the problem over the last number of years for the church of God is that we haven't recognized our identity in who Christ is, that we haven't recognized that he has all the answers If I would just trust him, that he has everything that I need, if I would just put my trust and my faith in him, if I would just get in my word and understand his character, if I would just get in my word and grab his mindset and throw my mindset out the window that told me I can't have enough, I won't have enough, and I will always lack. Come on, we must shift our mindset. We must change our mindset. And the make me mindset is, I know who my father is. But the problem is, is we tend to get into that realm and we say, well, I know who my father is, but February 28th is coming up very quick and my bank account doesn't look like it's gonna have enough. Did you know that it takes the same amount of faith to believe, to meet the bill? At the end of the month that it does to pay off the whole bill. Same amount of faith. It takes the same amount of faith to make the car payment that it does to pay off the whole car. Say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Matt? It doesn't take any more faith. It just takes a mindset shift. We look in the Bible, we look and read all these stories of people who are doing amazing things, what we like to call legacy faith, bold faith, a proclamation of faith. We see these things, we see these amazing things, we hear the testimonies of people and how God has blessed them and how God has done things in their life. But the Bible tells us in Romans that each of us are given the same measure of faith. So how is that, that they're doing these crazy things in the Bible, that they're standing in faith in these moments, and I'm just here trying to believe that God will give me the extra $25 to fill up, my, to fill up the one-eighth of my gas tank? Can I tell you that the measure of faith is the same for every believer? It's the same faith that Jesus possessed when he was on the earth. Each of us have the same measure of faith. But why is it that we see some people seem to excel in their faith? Why is it that we see some people seem to do bold things with their faith? It's because they have worked their faith differently than we have. Think of your faith like a muscle. When you go to the gym. I have started going back to the gym. When I go to the gym, I look at the guys that I work at around, and I think, "Wow, they have more muscles than I do." But the thing is, is that you don't have any more muscles than I do. It's just that they have worked them differently. And for a lot of us, we think, "Wow, but they have a a nine pack. I have a one pack." See, the thing is, is that I have the same thing that he has, but he's worked it differently. There were moments where he tore that thing. There were moments that those things stretched and those things grew because he's worked them. That we recognize them, that we see them. That's the same thing with our faith. Some of us, we just haven't worked them enough. We haven't worked our faith muscles enough. We say, well, I see that. I see that man of God over there that God blessed him in this way. He's got a spiritual nine pack. What about me? It's just because he's worked his faith. He stretched his faith. In some moments, he had to tear himself away and tear that thing so that it could grow back stronger than it was before. What we see on the outside is demonstrated in those muscles, how we work those muscles out. But if you're not working your faith, your faith won't work when you need it. If you're not stretching, if you're not tearing, if you're not going beyond the place of uncomfortability, then it's not going to work when you need it to work. Can I tell you this Christian walk is one of faith? And we as the church, we need to start exercising our faith. We need to start stretching our faith. We need to start stepping in to what we call legacy faith. We are supposed to believe. Let me say this first. Faith to the believer is like air to the body. I don't think we've recognized that. I think we've relied on the person in the platform to build our faith rather than getting into the word, rather than stretching our faith when we're going through challenging situations. Faith is the heir to the body. You need faith for this walk. You need faith for this life. We're supposed to believe that we serve a God of the impossibilities. We're supposed to believe that if it does not exist, that he can create it. We're supposed to believe that our father is better than any God. He's a living God in existence. We're supposed to believe that the faith we have will provide everything that we need. The word of God is full of of examples of people living by faith and getting what it was that they had need of. But what good does it do for us to read this book and not believe that it's available to us today? We must shift our mindset. We must move from consumerism Christianity where we just come and listen, we retain 5%, then we go out and live our lives the same way that we did before. We must get in the Word. We must have our own prayer life. We must pray in tongues. We must stretch our faith. We must believe that he is a God of the impossible. And stop relying on the person holding the microphone. Get out of consumer Christianity and start saying, God, make me. God, what do you want to make me for your kingdom? What do you want to do with me for your kingdom? God, give me your mindset. God, give me your purpose. You're still breathing, which means you still qualify to receive everything that God has for you. But this is the problem. Who's ever heard the statement? Well, they have potential. They have potential. The Canadian church, well, they have potential. Do not leave this life with potential. Step into everything that God has for you. Step into everything that he wants for you. I'm sick and tired of people saying the Canadian church has potential. You know what potential means? It means you just haven't reached your destination yet. And it's dependent upon your action. Come on, the Canadian church is a church of faith. It's a church of bold faith, a church of legacy faith, a church that, yeah, it might be sleeping at the moment. But when you wake us up, look out, because Canada will be shaken. Ontario will be shaken. Hamilton will be shaken. Kitchener will be shaken. But we must wake up. We must shift our mindset. We must stretch our faith. And we must step into everything that God has for us. Don't leave potential when you leave this earth. Step into everything that he has for you. Don't you dare leave this life with untapped potential. I know I'm being a little long, but I, I have to get this word out. I want to address one misconception that has run rampant. Jesus was not broke. I know this is hard. He was not broke. He did not lack. Do you know that it says that he had a treasurer that traveled with him to take care of the money bag? When you're broke, you ain't got no treasurer walking with you. When you're broke, you ain't got no money bag. You got the toonie and the loonie in your pocket. And instead of doing something smart with it, we go and buy Tim's. When Jesus was born, he was given what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those are three in that time. Those are three of the most richest materials. Jesus was not broke. I know you want to believe that he was broke. I know you want to believe that he was poor. Well, he was the life of a carpenter. He lived the life of, what does it matter? Did you know that those jobs today are some of the most lucrative jobs because no one wants to do them anymore? You can ask skilled people in this room. Carpenters, electricians, those jobs are going by the wayside because everyone wants to sit behind a computer. He wasn't broke. Jesus, when he was being crucified, the Roman soldiers were gambling for his undergarments. Come on, you don't gamble for someone's used undergarments if they're not nice. Even Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, they traveled in style. You say, what do you mean? They rode a donkey. Can I tell you something? They believe that in this time that wealthy people rode the donkey and that poor people ate the donkey. So in this time, Jesus' parents, they were traveling in style. They were riding in that Cadillac Escalade. I'm not saying go buy a Cadillac Escalade. That's, you know, but the point is, is that they traveled in style. They were not lacking. The problem in believing this is we have not had this mentality broken down in our lives, broken off of us. So then we go around thinking that I'm supposed to live my life in lack because I'm a believer. We go around thinking that I'm supposed to live poor because, well, Mother Teresa did it. Come on, Jesus was not poor. He was not broke. He had more than enough. His father has all the resources available to him. The reality is God desires for you to be blessed. We think, well, I'm supposed to live in poverty. I'm supposed to live in lack. I had someone reach out to me this week about a post like this, and this fired me up trying to debate me. I'm like, I'm not going to debate you because you don't want your life to change. You don't want to actually understand that God wants to see his children blessed. Well, he said, well, you know, it's about the, you know, ministry leaders taking advantage. Yeah, there are people that do that, but this isn't one of those places. I'm not preaching this to put more money in my pocket. I'm preaching this to put more money in your pocket. Because I'm tired of seeing God's church. I'm tired of seeing Christians live in lack. Tired of it. I want to see you live in abundance so that when you see someone who is in need, you can say, oh, great, I'll take care of it. That's what the church of God should be. That we live in such abundance that everyone that we come in contact with will be blessed. Tired of these people. Knock some of these people out. Tired of playing church. God's church will be blessed. Actually, you confess that right now. Say, I will be blessed. I will live in overflow. I will not lack another day of my life. I will have everything that I need. Because God is making me into who he wants me to be. Come on, do you believe it today? We have to go from give me to make me. When I, we have to go from I have needs to my God supplies all my needs. When we understand this, we understand that what God has because we are joint heirs through Jesus Christ That what he has also belongs to me. I have no wants. I have no needs. Because he supplies them all. If you have not yet experienced what God has released, it just means that it's in proximity. That it's on the way. But before it gets there, shift your mindset. Shift that mentality. Shift the way that you think. Because when it comes, if you shift it to make me... And God will show you how to use it. God will show you what to do with it. I love how the scripture explains. It says that he came to his senses in this passage about the sun. It says that he came to his senses. When you understand where you belong and who you belong to, you come to yourself. You come to your senses. You stop believing the foolishness. You stop believing the idiocracies and the things that you used to believe growing up. He came to his senses. Some of us have been living beneath where God wants and desires for you. It's enough is enough. Enough is enough. Because we don't know who we are in him. We must recognize who we are in him. Stop making excuses in 2024 and start making adjustments. Stop making excuses to who you were and who you grew up to be and your personality test and this, that, and the other. And actually start to understand who your God is and that he is changing you and that you don't have to stay the way that you were. You don't have to stay in the personality test that they've Make up your mind that you will go after everything that God desires for you in 2024. That I will be everything that God has called me to be. That I will possess everything that God has called me to possess. That I will experience the overflow that he has desire for me to be in. See, when we ask God to use us, we ask him to use us as a stream, not a dam. We need to be a river, not a reservoir. You know why it's called currency? Because it's supposed to move. It's supposed to flow. It's not supposed to stay stagnant. I believe that he's going to make you into the blessing, into a blessing for his kingdom, into a blessing for your family, into a blessing for your situation, that he's going to make you in 2024, he's going to give you a life of overflow so that when you see it and you say, no problem, it's taken care of. We don't have to go to prayer for 20 hours for God to provide. That it'll already be in the house. Psalm 23, 5, you've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is just filled to the top. My cup overflows, it says. You prepare a feast. For me in the presence of my enemies you honor me by anointing my head with oil my cup overflows with blessing it doesn't say my cup is just filled enough to meet the need it says my cup is overflowed my cup is overflowed with blessing he wants to give you an overflowing blessing a life that overflows a life of abundance that is a reflection of heaven that is a reflection of who he is An overflowing life, say overflowing life. An overflowing life is to be filled beyond capacity. I am believing that for you in this year, that your life, not just financially, and if that's what you want to take from this, God bless you. But that your life would be a life that is overflowing with abundance. That your life would be a life that is overflowing with joy. That your life would be a life that is overflowing with his presence. That your life would be a life that when you walk into the room that blessing follows you. That when you walk into places that are dead, that those places come alive and business begins to boom. That when you walk into those things, that everyone would experience the overflow. But we have to change from a position of give me to God. Make me. Make me who you want me to be. Make me who you need me to be. Make me a blessing to your kingdom. Make me a blessing to your church. Make me a blessing to your city of Hamilton. Make me a blessing to my family. Make me a blessing to those around me. Make me a blessing to my job. Make me a blessing to my bosses. Make me a blessing, God. Make me who you need me to be. God, make me everything that you desire for me to be, God. Make me a blessing. Make me a resource. God, make me a funnel. God, make me a faucet. Make me a river so that your blessing can flow through me. God, make me. So that my life would overflow onto everything and everyone. God, that's what I believe for this house. That in 2024, that you're going to make us. You're going to make us a blessing. You're going to make us a reservoir. You're going to make us a river instead of a reservoir. God, that your blessing will flow through us. God, that our lives would be a living example of who you are. God, that in this next season, that our lives would be a testimony and a testament to your love. God, that in 2024, we would live in such overflow into every area of our lives, that we would live in such a place of overflow, of your anointing and of that oil. God, that everyone that we come in contact with would be affected, that they would feel your presence. So God, we thank you in this next season that you're not only blessing us financially, but you're not only taking care of our needs, but that you are taking care of every step that we take. And that we live in such a place of overflow. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you shall be saved. What is being saved mean? It just means that you've come in relationship with him. It means that you've submitted yourself to him. And for some of you today, you can't say that you have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today and you want to say yes, you want to start this faith journey. We want to pray for you. It's not going to be wacky. It's not going to be crazy. We just, we want to pray for you. If that's you in this place, in this moment, as we were praying, we just want you just to lift your hand so that we can pray for you. If that's you in this place, just lift your hand. We want to pray for you in this moment. We're going to pray as a church. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Maybe you're in this place today. and You say, I've had a relationship with Jesus, but I've just grown far away from him. And I want to recommit my life to him today. If that's you and you want to recommit your life in this moment, in this setting, I would just ask that you would raise your hand. If that's you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bible tells us that tomorrow is not promised. And that this may be one of the only opportunities you get. To say yes to him, to invite him into your life. Can I tell you when you invite him into your life, he begins to change you from the inside. He begins to, I like to say excavate, but in all actuality, he makes it all new. He goes in and he takes those hurts. He takes those things. He takes that place inside of you that has felt empty. He brings purpose. He brings life. And that's the scriptures that we read. He brings life, and he brings life more abundantly. He brings us the enjoyment of life. And so if that's you today, I'm going to give one more opportunity. If that's you, just raise your hand in this moment. Come on, church, let's pray together. Come on, let's pray out loud. Repeat after me. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus to save me. Today, I give you my life. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for redeeming me. Today, I repent of my sins. Change me. Transform me. Renew me. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those lives that said yes to Jesus this morning. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.